From the studios of 2SER in Sydney, Australia to the world, this is a Gay Waves podcast, proudly produced on Gadigal Land. Hello, dear listeners. This is Nikki Fashion from Gay Waves 107.3 SERFM, and today we have such a special treat for you. For Sydney World Pride, we have an artist come in from America to do a very special exhibition. She is uh, she hails from Brooklyn, New York. She is a star fellow at the Royal Academy for Arts, London, uh, originally from Arlington, Virginia an artist in residence at Amherst College and a professor at Brown Uni. We have the beautiful, the very talented Macon Reed. <laughs> hello, hello. How are you today, Macon? I'm good. I mean, every day I've been in Sydney has been fantastic so far. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and is this your first time in Sydney? This is my first time. Welcome. Yeah, first time in Australia. Oh, wow. Oh, there's plenty to do and see there. Yeah, especially during World Pride. And then when you're making a dike bar, it's like the smartest way to get to meet all the babes right away. Well, yeah. I rushed in. <laughs> yes. Just I'll just I'll it. just put my tragic <laughs> nature right out there, and yes. I rushed in and said, "This sounds fabulous! I can't wait." So, um, what I would like to know were I'll start with the World Pride, and then we, and then we'll backtrack yeah, yeah, a little. Um, were you coming to Sydney for World Pride, or was that you know, serendipity? It, it's serendipity, and it's actually it's a funny story because. Um, Jose de Silva, who's the curator at UNSW Galleries, had invited Eulogy for the Dyke Bar back in April 2020 to be part ah, of a big queer show there. Yes. And we did all this preparation and I was supposed to come. And then, of course, the pandemic hit and I was heartbroken. And they did manage to put the show on without me oh. being there. We met on Zoom and everything, oh. um, but I wasn't able to like really actualize the programming because half of the project really is the installation and the other half is all of the sort of relationship building programming events, parties that happen inside the space. Because it's um, quite immersive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think some people tend to think of it as the, the art is the sculpture of the project, but it's really very much in the relationship building. So we did that. And then I thought maybe that was it. And Jose was like, no, we're going to find a way to bring you here. And then I think he realized with World Pride, it was, I mean, this is an even better situation. So, oh, it's yeah, perfect. I love it. I can't believe it worked out this way. Oh, we're excited. And <laughs> and there are so few dark bars left in the world that even yeah. an art installation one yeah. will all turn up. <laughs> We'll all yes. turn up. We're so thrilled. We're like, oh, what? Dike bar? Go. That's what I learned from the first one that I did in Brooklyn years ago at a tiny little gallery called Wayfarers. They had a residency and they let me just build the project out in their front room. Um, and I thought like no one else would really care. I felt pretty isolated in my desire for those spaces. Oh. This is in 2015. I, I was like, where can I cruise? What's happening? And so I made the space and then suddenly we had for a place that never had more than 40 people at an opening, we had a thousand people RSV. We had a line wow. around the block. We had to, and I just suddenly went, oh, this is what it means when you're an artist and you actually hit on a note for something that's really needed by your community. It was a real, like, humbling, mind-blowing experience. That's amazing, though, yeah. to, to actually see that because I imagine yeah. a lot of artists don't always get such a fantastic reaction. Yeah, it really was incredible. And also I think that uh, it's like hitting the right note and then 
all the care that I put into doing every, like all the relationship building before anyone even came into the space. You yep. know, I meet with everyone for coffee. We have a conversation because all the queers have all of their feelings and we were bringing different generations wow. into the space and um, really just different ideas of what queer liberation could look like or did look like. And so um, I think it went off so well because of all of that sort of behind the scenes talking to people you know I, I i agree i think relationship building is is almost a lost art these days and people don't realize yeah um, i actually yeah. take my model from joan crawford who <laughs> had a terrible yes. reputation but not with anyone that worked on a movie with her yeah. like all the staff she sent them thank you notes she sent yes. gifts she was yeah. polite to everyone mm -hmm. she was angry to one up, up and coming style at once and once that lady was famous she wrote a note and apologized <laughs> she knew and it was like she's like i made yes. a mistake yeah that's exactly um, and it. i feel that it, yeah. it's it, kindness and communication are being yeah. lost because we've all got our heads yeah. in our little devices it's so true and also i think there's a there's a tendency for artists who are doing projects to kind of have a community come in and get pictures of them there and then kind of move along. And for me, I'm like, I'm doing the work because I want to create the change. You know, it's like, that's the main point. So Excellent. that wouldn't work. So that's why we have to build these relationships. And I just got to meet Joan Nessel, who is like queen of the femmes who lives in Melbourne um, because and she's 82 because I know another older dyke from doing the project in New York. So it's like I'm also I meet all these people through the project. I love it. It's, amazing. It's yeah, totally amazing. So the 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 installation itself, Eulogy mm -hmm. for a Dyke Bar, I've had a look at it and I, I love it. <laughs> yes. um, what inspires you to work in those kind of mediums? Is, yeah. it, is it wood or is it? Yeah, and nobody ever knows, which is the fun part. Um, I know, because I looked at yeah. the pool table balls and I was like, are they velvet? Those are actually real this time because we want people to be able to play pool. But oh. historically, when I didn't have... A, so I started the project with like no budget. I got hit by three cars. <clears throat> I joke that this is like how American artist grants work. I know a lot of people have like got in a car accident. That's then, a pretty tough yes, um, it's, a, a, um, way to qualify, <laughs> to have to be hit by three cars. And the woman didn't have insurance. So I got like, oh, you know, no. $8,000 out of it. I managed to live for years off that money because I, I didn't grow up with money. So one of the reasons that I use the materials I use is that they're, you know, it's a lot of cardboard and, and paper mache oh. and sort of also that are more sustainable um, when I can. And then I cover things in a in joint compound, like sheetrock compounds. Right. But in the case of the bar here, we're just altering the already existing coffee shop. So there already was a wood structure there and everything. Yeah. It's really nice. So we've just been like surfacing it and everything. Yeah. Um, and I use the colors because I really love bright color um and also i like that they're so bright that they're kind of like aggressive like they almost hurt your eyes a little bit which yeah. feels like i like that kind of color i yes. want color to shout at me yeah yeah that's, like, well, that's constantly good, the color is going to shout at you in there I, i'm i'm up for that i'm yes. up for that and also i remember reading this book called chromophobia a million years ago it's chromophobia what yeah. a great name yeah and it talks about the western fear of bright color and how it's associated with femininity and queerness and mental illness and all these different things that the sort of systems in power want to control so there's actually sort of like a little secret push with that oh i think know? i think if um, anybody who is a creative yeah. walks five minutes in the finance district you'll yeah. see that in yeah. full action <laughs> everybody's angry so and true. wearing black or gray yeah, yeah yeah and it's just sad it's just sad. <laughs> i used to i used to do promotions in the yeah. finance district and as, yeah. a, as a creative i'd get there in the morning and i'd laugh in their face i'd be like yeah. What a laugh, mate. <laughs> yeah, Have a piece of paper. Look at your life. 
And no. I'd be smiling and they'd look at me like, why are you so happy? I'm like, because I'm not you. <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. succumb to chromophobia. Yeah, chrom- yeah, I know. And I learned that word. I was like, I love it. Sense now. <laughs> yeah. It does though. I know, and yeah. you do see it. It's yeah. such a real thing. Yeah, it's so true. So yeah, that, it's, that's why when you walk in the space, it's just... Um, it's like I want it to feel like this world, but also like another world. And I think that the the way that everything in there has been sort of touched by my hand in some way and looks a little lumpy and weird and slightly different shape it's and size. It's hand-hewn. I like that. Because That's it's nice. like, this is the world you know, but it's also a world outside of the world that you know. Yeah. You know? It's the world that we all know how you built it. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah, totally. And it gives you that sense of like what happens here is just a little bit of a step out of my everyday, which I like to. So that's excellent. And so how do you feel about the, when did you notice the decrease in dyke bars? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I well, I first noticed it because I was living in Chicago Uh and the queer neighborhood there is called Boys Town. And Uh I was like, well, okay, at least you're being honest. The Castro doesn't say that, but we all know it. You know, that's the area in San Francisco. Oh yeah. The Castro. Um, Oh yeah. We we all know that. And I, and I started, um, you know, I, I just suddenly was like, I have all these wonderful queer people in my life, but very few of them are on the sort of like dykier end of the spectrum. And I started asking people about why. And I came up under all these, like these stereotypes about, you know, dykes just like aren't a sexual, don't like to cruise, don't like to party. Like, we just want to drink tea and eat freshly baked bread, and I'm like, I do like tea. Maybe it, maybe it, maybe it'll wake. That's not all yeah. I want to do. Yeah, and I thought, you know, it was like it was queers and feminist queers who were telling me that, and so I wow. thought something feels off here, and so I started looking into it, and the more I learned, the more it became clear that, and I'm, I think, you know, I'm looking at the U.S.'s history of this, but I think Australia has some similar. For sure, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but to just use binary language, uh, because that's how I know how to talk about this. Like yep. in the U.S., men make way more money on the dollar than women. And yep. so when you get a community of women and trans people who are all getting paid less, you, we just have less um, less spending power. And so and gentrification hits us faster. And, you know, I walked down here on Oxford Street and I was like, you know, all the bars are for cis gay men. Um, yep. and all, so when people say, oh, it's partying, but I'm like all the stores, like all of the cute underwear, they're all for cis gay men too. Yeah. So you can just, so I think a lot of it was socioeconomics. That's what I started learning about. Um, oh yes. You know, and then the other piece that I felt like was really significant is just like historically, like women couldn't go into a bar and order a drink without a man for so many years. Oh yes. There are all these ways that our sexualities and our genders were policed that are different than the cis gay men and it's sort of slotted us into these little cupboards and these little yeah. alleyways that we continue to walk down even yeah. though the fences are gone that's the thing yeah. yeah and i think that's why for so long like you know the sort of dykier liberation struggle like a lot of it happened out in the woods or in our homes or in domestic spaces because we just had a different set of things um, and then obviously straight people have have everything and that's a whole other <laughs> a whole other thing but but we do experience within the you know the queer continuum you know trans people and dykes are um just sitting with a really different socioeconomic situation and so to blame us as being less sexy and whatever is, it's just is atrocious oh, it's just it's it, like, it is gaslighting yeah it is totally just, gaslighting you know i found that in sydney um the, or I, I read somewhere years ago that the lesbian or female uh, yeah. homosexuals, yeah. let's just for a broad yeah, term, yeah. was 10% of the gay population. Yeah. And so, and you <sighs> want to segregate us. Yes. 
and you can't even give us like yeah. one room in your club yeah absolutely and then they say oh but you know you guys don't go out and don't spend money well no traditionally females or anyone that yeah. presents as female will aspire to a more caring role because yeah, that's in that's their like, nature and that's a lot lower pay yeah totally it's a lot lower like, pay. and they have children yeah Ad adoption for for gay men is a relatively new thing yeah. and so the women were yeah. at home with the children because think, they could and i would say too like, and they've just, shot us for it yeah i mean i totally and i think i think i'd push back like a little on that idea of like that we're naturally more caring because it gets into this sort of like essentialist nature but i do think we've been put in those roles well, i think we've over been we've been again. conditioned yeah, to also exactly. believe that and, and then again you know yeah. i've just said that and then i think now who's conditioned me to well and that's take the carers role because i was raised by narcissists <laughs> yeah. so i'm an indentured oh servant God, i totally for all intents and purposes yeah, me uh yes i relate to that <laughs> and the the narcissist parenting and i think i think that that's um you know that there's also just a lot of misogyny in the queer community that we don't realize Absolutely. and a lot of us who were socialized as women are also misogynist and so that's why i think part of over the years as i've done the project one thing that i think about more and more is is that i would like to see more of a sense of solidarity with the cis gay men in our community Same. sharing resources yes um doing work to be more inclusive for everyone and especially trans people in their in their communities and their spaces because i just don't see the same push and um, and I also like think that's the good thing about the dykier, transier side of the queer spectrum is that we are harder to, you know, define by capitalism. Like we're harder to brand for because we're constantly changing. We're fluid. We're expansive, and that's honestly way more exciting. But it makes things like marketing and business a different situation. You know, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah, and, and again, with the lower with the lower income, yes, also yeah. means we can't spend as much at the bar, and hence this this is the reasons we get out here. Oh, you don't put enough over the bar with your people. Okay, we'll make it a mixed night. Yes, and wake yeah. up to yourself. You yes. know, like um, <laughs> um, so. But, but totally. I found, and I also found in Europe. I don't know if you found in Europe. It was a lot more female friendly. Oh, that's interesting. Mixed yeah. in a lot of clubs. Yeah, that makes sense. I friendly. Mean, I was you know. in Paris like two summers ago. Oh. There was an effing. Uh, there are two dyke bars next to each other. Oh, not the worldwide cafe? No, one was. What? I can't remember the name of it. It was like kind of more of a like proper lesbian bar, and the yep. next door was like dykier, punker, transer. I know it's called. Okay. I'm going to butcher the name it's called like la mutanterie like the mutant -erie. um oh i love it but i was like they're two next door to each other what a world you know and what and a I, world right i like can't even i was so shy to even go over because i was by myself i like sat at the gay bar across the street and watched them first and then i went over you know and i was like this is such a different world that i'm used to so it was, yeah so i think maybe in europe it could be different and and in the states we have less in the giant country of bajillions of people we mm. have Supposedly less than two dozen dyke bars in the entire country, to give you a sense. So, oh, my stars. Um, in San Francisco, we did not have one from 2015 until just recently. There's a brunch place that opened up, that's sort of. And then just like in the last couple of months, a dyke bar called Mother um, opened. Mother. So San Francisco has one now, but one compared to a whole neighborhood. Um, of, 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 and, and 100 for yeah. everybody else. Yeah. It seems really unfair, doesn't it? It really does. And that's yeah. why I feel like it's time to you know to to have these conversations and they're hard you know like oh thinking yes. about how to make sure that 
that we don't rep like replicate any sort of turfy things from the past, how we make sure that we're thinking in a really expansive way around what dyke means and can mean, um, and also making sure that those spaces don't disappear because it's too hard to figure out you know, um, because they're really important, you know. Or someone has bowed to the almighty dollar and has yeah. not thought about their community, yeah. you know. Like, yeah. that's that's a problem that I have discovered with venue owners yeah. out here for the last 25 years. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they don't care how many loyal patrons they've got. They just it's see more just money. A, and that's the thing is I think that um, with uh, gay bars who are saying they won't share and kind of make a dyke night or a trans night, I think that... Um, it's kind of like part of sharing the resources is, is having a little less money and letting us have that space. Like that's undoing the patriarchy. We have to undo the patriarchy and white supremacy and all these things within our community, you know, not just sort of like in, so yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think money runs these things and it's time to, to think more critically about sharing. You know? I, I think yeah. so too. And, yeah. I, and I also hearken back to, you know, everybody wants to be in the dark bar or in the gay yeah. bar. And the first rule of war is divide and conquer. Yes, And we true. succumb to it it's with true. our misogynistic stereotypes yes. and we succumb to it yeah. with, with heterosexual pressure. Yes. And people don't realise. I'm like, guys, yeah. check yeah. out the ants. Yeah. They're this big, but they work together <laughs> and, and they, they go, can destroy you in and out. <laughs> that is so true. They can strip you to the bone it's in so and out. true. And yeah. people don't realise. They're like, you know, yeah. um, like when I saw people protesting for something that was a very valid protest, I'm like, yeah. You realise there's like ten thousand of you and fifty yep. of them. If you just overrun them, yeah, they're finished. No. You know, the first yeah. few of you will catch, catch a couple of rubber yeah. bullets. Everybody else winning. That's yeah. And I don't mean to incite, you know, yeah, craziness, but people don't realise we should band together because we are the yeah. the, um, the gay transgender whatever alphabet soup you yeah. want to use community is only 10% of the greater community. Yeah. So that means the dark community is 1% of the greater so community. Tiny, right? So we should all be like there's 10% yeah. of us and the rest of the world is saying, yeah. most of us don't like you. Yeah. Yeah. We should be banding together. I agree. And also, I mean, I think that gay men deal with misogyny too. Like part of why they're seen as weak is because they're potentially effeminate or doing things that, you know, people, women do, you know, etc. So I think that there's such a, these things are all so overlapped. And it's just interesting how we know about intersectional feminism, but then we drop the ball in some some areas, you know, um, which is why, so, you know, there's so much to, you asked me a question and we're already like, there's so much there's so in the much. project. Yeah. And that's why doing it in Sydney is interesting for me. It's the first time I've done it um, properly with programming and everything in another country ah. in a culture that isn't my own. And being from the US in particular, where we've like got our culture shoved on everybody all the time. I like came here really trying to be sensitive, um, to it being a new place. And between the national art school, which is where the installation is mm -hmm. and UNSW, they've given me this amazing team to work with. And so the programming that we have coming up in the bar, it's mind blowing. I'm like, I seem way more like cool and sexy than I am looking at the program. I'm actually oh. kind of an introvert and a nerd. So like I look at it and I'm like, wow. Well, marketing is excellent. Incredible <laughs> stuff. Yes, it's it's like, I, I'm so thrilled about everybody participating. So um, I think it's it's also fun to be able to offer free programming during Pride because- Absolutely. I have been because shocked. Because of all the Sydney poor lesbians. So yes, because of all the poor lesbians. And Pride is just like, Sydney and Pride are both so expensive to me at least. Um, oh no, it's <clears throat> this year, I'll, I'll, so I yeah. have worked for Mardi Gras for many years yeah. and I've been on party committees so, and, I, and I used to, um, 
I used to live with their accountant, so I know all about. Oh yeah, I know all you about the their scoop. stuff. Um, and this year, it has been a real push. <coughs> yeah. To make money. Yes. And not much else. Yes. And it's it's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. and and the um it's there's a bit of ageism. Yes. A lot of the elderly gays have been completely discarded, unless yeah. you're a seventy eighter, one of the original protesters. Yes. yes. And then they've made a bit of concession. Yeah. Um, but it's it, it's it has been over commercialised this year, so it's yeah. it's not your best introduction yeah. to find the organic and community yes. spirit. Yeah. You will see that on the night in the parade, though, when the marching yeah. groups. You'll. Yeah, and I've been getting like a list of parties like. That, that are, you know, more underground, not mainstream, etc. Oh, I'll give you the lowdown on yes, this. Yep. Yes, and that has been fantastic. And also it's my first year being away from, because I actually, so I spend my time between Brooklyn and New Orleans. And oh, um, how this lovely. is my first time in 10 years not being at our Mardi Gras. And so it's oh. like, it's a real, it's interesting to see. Oh, so it's literally on at the same time. Same time, because it's like actually a Catholic tradition yeah, it's which fat is tuesday. funny right yeah. so we, we all yeah. call it happy fat tuesday yeah. and yeah. mardi gras fat tuesday exactly yeah. and so you know normally this time of year i'm running around um with friends in the streets with for days beads. and days and days yeah beads or like we when you get away from the the bigger parades there's so much weird secret queer punk stuff happening I love this. that's fantastic and it's all free and open and you know I love yeah this. it's really good you should come sometime i have a feeling you would like it oh i'm, I'm a big traveler <laughs> and and the lockdown yeah. has yeah. finished me I, I actually, oh yeah, you guys no, extra I actually started going to places that have like a, a high ethnicity and pretending I'm in that country. <laughs> yeah, I was so in a Thai restaurant like the other day and it was raining. I'm like, oh, Bangkok. <laughs> I'm in Bangkok because I'm so, so desperate <laughs> to get out of the country again. Um, so let me ask you, uh, do you have any ideas about how to change the eulogy of the dyke bar into a yeah. birth announcement? Yeah, ooh, I like that question. I think, well, for one, the fact that I've heard that three new dyke bars have opened in the U.S. in the last year. Wow, that's that is great. Amazing. That is amazing. I would love my project to become actually obsolete, you know, to be yeah, like, wow, yeah. remember that time? Yeah, that's, that's, um, the, that's the, the yeah. best way for it to fail. Yes, yes. And, and I sad dyke Sunday I just went to at the Bearded Tit. I love the Bearded Tit. That's also an example of, like, such an excellent queer bar because I've oh. gone and there have been, like, multiple different groups of people, different genders at Sad Dyke Sundays. There was a whole spectrum of people who were there and it just felt, I love that place. So, um, so in terms of thinking about that, well, well, so there's a few different thoughts that come to mind. One is part of the project. In addition to all the programming, like we've got, um, Club Chrome doing pole dancing. We've got karaoke. Black.org is doing a takeover night. Um, we've got the camp reenactment from some of the 78ers. We've oh, got yes, poetry. We've yeah. got, I mean, we've got so many. We've got astrology. I'm trying to remember what else. We have a lot of amazing events this happening. This is a huge space. program. Yes, and I'm so excited about that. And then the other thing we have is like is a night of two panel conversations. And so what that's going to be is the first one is me meeting with... Um, uh, Georgina Abrams, um, Joy from the Bearded Tip, Penelope from Red Rattler, we're all going to have a conversation oh, fabulous. about sort of DIY dyke history. And what that is doing is thinking about what has been learned by organizing these spaces in the past, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and kind of honor where we're coming from. And then following that is another panel. They'll both be kind of like shorter 45-minute panels. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that one is on queer futures. And we have a number of people who are throwing like very queer parties now to think about future things so because i think what it is is that it's not eulogy for the dyke bar is kind of like acknowledging that the spaces have closed as they were and thinking about it less as this sort of sad thing and more of a like a celebration of the history of these spaces 
what they've done for us because it's really easy to take them for granted, yeah. you know? Yep. And then also thinking about, okay, if these spaces as they were are maybe going to be changing, not being here anymore, what do we want in the future? Instead of sort of just letting something happen to us because gentrification, capitalism, the man, et cetera, I like to actually think about, okay, what does a truly queer space look, look like? How can it be feminist? How can it be um, you know, anti-racist, anti-colonialist, et cetera? How can we really rethink these spaces? And also to think about um, intergenerational community connecting. Like I think that dyke bars historically, I have so many older dykes in my life now, like in their 70s and 80s, and it feels like a magical blessing. And um, I want there to be spaces where older and younger queer people can interact and where people who our party girls and like to do drugs and drink can go, but also people who are sober and in recovery can go. So I don't have any answers for that, but the project does sort of pose this conversation. Like, yeah, what do we want moving forward? Um, and how can we honor these spaces? And also learn from the mistakes, you know? Yeah, um, what a great forward. conversation to have. Yeah, it's pretty I exciting. Love yeah, 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 yeah. I love this. Now, um, so how long are you in Sydney for? Just for World Pride? I'm here just so now. I've already been here a week and I have five more weeks here. And oh. I'm already in love and want to be here forever. Oh. Um, and yes, I've been... Um, Look, I'm sure yes. by opening night, 700 lesbians will want to marry you. <laughs> so, so don't worry. Also, you can stay if you yeah, want. I, I've <laughs> been joking. It's like, I am not entirely single, but I am available. <laughs> project is I was like wow I had no idea eight years ago when I started that I would end up in this position of being like oh yeah we're having a cruising night on the Thursday I forget which the day is but um oh look at me I've been single for years I'm like oh maybe yes, I'll jump back in absolutely and we've got these hilarious coasters for the project too that have a checkbox on the back they were like inspired by the bearded tit ones that's and you can check off like hot ass dyke uh, future dyke, past dyke, you know, friend of the dyke, too queer for all of this, etc. And then there's a place to put a phone number. And I actually hope that people will give each I other. Love this. Yes. I love it. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, even if it's not successful, it will sound like a battery farm because when the girls get the titters yes. and they start gossiping about <laughs> that one over there with the nice yes. ass, it'll be on. Exactly. So it'll it'll be it'll exactly. be quite cacophonous but very joyous. And one of the things that I've really loved about the project too that um, to me is like a sign that it's a good project because it's not about like this is me and my ideas and I'm just sort of pushing them forward. It's about me creating a space for everyone else to come together and have a conversation. I love it. And so in New York, after the 2015 version of the project, because it's happened in San Francisco and New York a couple times, mm-hmm. um, and once in Maine, um, but there's a group called um, Dyke, basically it's called Dyke Bar Takeover. And so they they take over straight bars for a night based on oh, my project it. originally, where we had storytelling. Like a flashbulb with music. Yeah, every <laughs> month. And it's, I think, even post-pandemic, I think it's back on and still going. I and I have this. nothing to do with it. So to me, that's like... A sign of the project, if somebody comes in, gets excited and inspired and makes something happen that I'm not in control of, yeah, then I know that the project's working. That's like the goal. So That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that is wonderful. And I'm expecting that you are doing all the events for World Pride. Yes, I'm trying to go to all of them, which means I'll actually have to make a clone of myself. I was going to say, the cloning room is open <laughs> at midday, so we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll pop you down there yes. and um, yeah. we'll, we'll get that happening. Because it's the, yeah. I, I know for my, even just this Saturday, three events. Yes, I'm working wild. at one. I know. Yes, and totally. Yeah, there's like a leather market someone told me about. There's like things, yeah, I'm already. All the things. Yep, yep. All the things. And if there are going to be 700 lesbians who want to marry me, I should probably make 699 more versions of myself because I wouldn't want to miss out. 
yeah. or or <laughs> I'll, I'll get a ticketing system like the deli. Yeah. You know? yeah. Next, Sally. number 46. <laughs> yes, um, so, so, but yeah, you'll find that because, yes. and, and everyone, like, I personally, I'm so excited at anything that has Dyke Bar written yes, in it, even yeah. if it is a eulogy, because yeah. I'd like to reminisce and I'd like to see yeah. people that I used yeah. to know, and I'd like to talk about stuff and, um, and see where the world mm-hmm. stands on this sort of thing now. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and I think it's interesting because even over the project, you know, my own experience with it has shifted. My sense of conversations have shifted. Um, I'm more clear that I'm more non-binary than I knew before, but I am still you, she, and they sort of mixing back and forth because I don't know. Like my own sense of what dyke means um, for me has even shifted. And, and it's been really interesting. Like I spent a lot of time at the Lesbian Herstory Archives for the first couple projects, which Joan Nessel, who lives in Melbourne, um, helped start in yeah. Brooklyn. And I remember just reading through all of these um, journals and essays. And there was one where it was like some people yelling at each other, like, I'm not a lesbian, I'm a dyke. And the other ones were like, I'm a dyke, not a lesbian. La, la, la. And I was like, oh my God, we've been doing this for so long, this sort of, you know, and, and there are moments I can look at now in the queer community that like feel hard or sad for me. But when I started understanding this in like a larger historical arc yep. and knowing that like each generation comes along, does a bunch of cool things, hopefully breaks some ground and like liberates a bunch of people, they're going to mess up and they're going to miss things and they're not going to do it right. And then the next generation can come along and be like, oh, you guys didn't do all those things right. We're going to do stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then the babies under them will come up and be like, you you know, and I just started to understand um, just trusting the queer community in this sort of larger arc to be figuring things out and also yep. taking away that that sort of perfectionist, um, we have to get it all right or we can't do it at all thing. You That's know? hard. Um, I think that also comes from the way that a lot of us have been raised to be yeah. never good enough. Yeah, yeah, you know? totally. And so perfectionism becomes a part of your yeah. personality yeah. and it inhibits you yeah. because you can't do it unless it's perfect. Yeah, it's really true. And it's yeah. scary when you're when you're the public face of a project, you know, the to to make sure you don't want to accidentally cause harm or things, you know, and, yeah. and that's why we do so much care in thinking through the programming and knowing that part of it might be that we do and then we address that as opposed to kind of you know, um, not holding the space, but I, I've really learned a lot from that sort of the long arc of queer liberation. Like I hope after this sort of assimilation time, which is another piece of why dyke bars and gay bars are closing is assimilation. Some, an older dyke joked in New York, like we don't have to go to dyke bars anymore because we have Applebee's, which is like a chain, you know? Oh, I know what Applebee's is. I'm like, no, 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 we don't want Applebee's. We don't want want Applebee's. So, so really thinking about, Please give me a dingy dyke bar, not Applebee's. other side of this you know this moment of assimilation and high visibility we may be coming back to being like no we want our own truly queer liberated spaces and so you know I just see it as this big arc and I'm excited for what the the young people bring us yeah yeah I mean yeah every generation brings something and I think learning from the past generations and improving sounds great exactly yeah and tell me What's next for Make and Read? Oh my gosh, what is next for Make and Read? <laughs> it's hard to imagine because I've been doing oh, just the have a little break? so much. Yeah. I think I'll be doing a break, a little break, um, and 
going back to New Orleans and just like being, I have a new crush that I'm excited about there. I'm excited to get back for that reason. But um, very nice. But in terms of projects, I think um, I've been working. Well, there are, I've done a, th- a few big new projects this year. I can tell you about, and I'm going to be continuing work on them. So one of them was a commission from a group called Let's Talk Menopause. Um, that is trying to get people to learn about menopause and how, um, like, how people just really need support going through it, the stigma, etc. And I am actually not even in perimenopause, but I'm a few years away from it, and I've been learning a lot through that project and um, just realizing it's such an amazing moment to bring. It's another gendered form of healthcare that we need to think about. So I think of, you know, in terms of gender affirming healthcare, in terms of abortion access and menopause, these three things are actually really related. So that project's sort of like building solidarity yep. um, around that. And then I also did a project called Hello Death, Where Have You Been All My Life? I um, saw that. Yes, and that was exciting. I, my goth got to come out. I got to talk to all these people who work in the field of death and dying, death doulas right. and, and, and all sorts of amazing people. And so that project just got bigger than the gallery show. Um, and so now I have all these interviews. And I think I'm going to be putting together a book that people can buy if they want at cost that will... Um, have all the interviews with these amazing workers and paintings that I've done in response to them. So that's sort of the next chunk is like uh, sleeping. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's well paused. Sleeping's been cancelled. <laughs> sleeping after World Yeah, I was going to say, sleeping's cancelled until like mid-March. I'm so yeah, sorry. Oh didn't God, tell, didn't they tell you? No, um, totally. <laughs> it's like lattes from now yeah. until April, actually. Um, yes, so many. Well, Macon Reed, it has been an absolute delight yes, to speak with you, you today. Thank, thank you too. so much for sharing your stories yes. with us. And we cannot wait to see Eulogy for a Dyke Bar, which opens on February 17th yes. at the National Art School. School. Yes, and exactly. In their former cafe. In and their former cafe, that's also, right. Also, um, you guys should check out, we have programming, um, uh, you know, I think it's Wednesday through Friday mostly, but I know the first week we've got Club Chrome on Monday the 20th, Black.org on the 21st. So every evening free programming, drinks, um, and on our opening night, DJ Aquenta, um, Rihanna, I adore her. She's gonna be playing music, so there'll be dancing outside under the palm trees with a lot of hot pink lighting. I think it's gonna be really Oh, nice. it sounds fabulous. And yes. I will, of course, uh, have all the details for our fabulous listeners on the uh, Gay Waves page on 2SER. Macon, thank you so much once again. Thank it you. has been an absolute I've delight. I've loved it, thank you so much. And happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> Hi, Mark Haddon here, producer of Gay Waves. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate the episode and subscribe to the channel. You can also get in touch with us. Our email address is gaywaves at 2ser.com. Find us on all social media channels. Just search Gay Waves. Thanks for listening.